Welcome to the Zen Stoic Path, where we share a modern take on timeless wisdom to help you develop unshakable inner peace so that you can live a liberated life. I'm your host, Victor Pierantoni, founder, head coach, and trainer over at Zen Stoic. Be sure to follow me on social at victor.zenstoic for updates, content, and to ask me directly your most important questions. Let's get into the show. Personal development is always talking about the importance of taking action, but not all actions are created equal. In fact, sometimes we can take action and they can leave us feeling empty or unfulfilled. What if there was a way that through the actions that you took each and every day, you were able to feel liberated and fulfilled? What if there was a style of action that embodied Zen Stoic philosophy in each and everything that you said and did so that you were able to have that unshakable inner peace and live a liberated life. Welcome to Integral Action. So this is a continuation of the Zen Stoic rendition of the Eightfold Path. Now, Integral Action is all about how we're actually acting in the world. How are we conducting ourselves day to day, moment to moment? Now, this topic inherently has the idea of morality woven into it. What is the right way to act? In the Buddhist Eightfold Path, this is called right action. So what is the right way to act? The thing is, morality can be a pretty dicey topic because when people start doing things for the greater good or doing things for the right reasons, they often end up creating more conflict than they were trying to solve in the first place. Now, why is that quote important? The reason being is because when people think about being righteous or virtuous, typically what ends up happening is they end up justifying immoral behavior in the name of what is good or in the name of what is moral. So people end up losing their humanity in pursuit of the greater good. If you think about it, some of the most heinous acts of humanity or some of the most violent wars that we've experienced have been fought for moral or ideological reasons. So when it comes to Zen Stoic, we don't look at morality as good and bad, right and wrong. We look at morality as championing the inherent sovereignty of each individual human being. So the first thing that we want to think about and focus on is aligning with human nature. Now with human nature, each and every one of us was endowed with the dignity of free will. Now at the most fundamental level, free will is a part of our human nature. Another part of our human nature is that we are social animals and that we survive and thrive by cooperating, by working together. So these two things combined point to morality through a Zen Stoic lens. So the idea of what is moral or what is right are expressions and actions that point to the evolution of an individual's sovereignty. In other words, do our actions and expressions increase choice? Do they increase wholeness? Do they allow a person to exercise that free will or do they take or constrict that person's free will? So it's a very simple definition, very open to interpretation, very vague, but the idea here is are we respecting and honoring each other's free will? And are we doing things that serve the free will of others. So this was originally taught by something called the five precepts. So the five precepts of Buddhism are the following. The first one is do not take life or do not kill. Now, what's interesting about this precept is that it wasn't necessarily saying don't kill in an absolute terms, right? Many people will look at this and they'll assume that the Buddha was a vegetarian and that is not the case at all. What this is really saying is not to engage in actions that are driven by anger or malice or with an intention to harm or hurt another individual or another living thing. That that's not the driving force of the actions that we're taking. The second precept is do not take what is not given. In other words, don't steal. So this one's pretty straightforward. We can all understand this. Nobody likes when their stuff gets taken. Now the third precept has an interesting translation. 
Because typically the way that it's translated is to abstain from sexual misconduct or adultery or gluttony. The essence of what this is actually saying, according to Alan Watts, is not to exploit the passions of life. In life, as human beings, we have certain instincts, certain urges, certain desires that are innate and instinctual within us. And the idea of this precept is not to use those to get away from feeling bad or feeling unpleasant feelings. In other words, it's not to reach for a drink when you're feeling down or not to reach for food when you're feeling bored. The idea here is not to try to expedite the experience of unpleasant emotions. So this is actually where the delusion of expediency was inspired from, was this actual precept of not exploiting the passions. So this is about not using the pleasures and passions of life to bypass the unpleasant experiences that we are inevitably going to have as human beings. So the fourth precept is to abstain from false speech. In other words, be honest, don't lie. The idea of this is not to engage in speech that is deceptive or manipulative towards one's own personal gain, but it also includes not to speak with ill will towards yourself and others, not to speak against yourself and others. Every time that we speak against ourselves and others, what is actually happening is we are actually taking personal everything that we're saying. So if we're beating ourselves up or if we are insulting someone else, our unconscious mind is taking that personally and making that part of our identity. Now, the other side of this is not to speak deceptively, not to speak dishonestly, because what is actually happening when a person engages in a lie is they're trying to manipulate and bend the very fabric of reality. They're trying to create a distortion of reality and get another person to agree upon that distortion with them. In other words, they're arguing with reality in a way to actually get some personal gain out of whatever the situation is. So what's really important about this is that every time we lie, we have to remember our lie. We have to keep up with that lie. And we have to create distortion after distortion after distortion. And what that does, it has a compounding effect that totally takes us away from the present reality. And this is because of engaging in false speech or false expression. Now, the fifth precept has a very interesting translation because typically the way that this is translated is not to go through life in a haze or not to engage in activities that cause inattention. Now, this is important because what this is actually saying is that we don't want to engage in activities that try to dissociate us from our reality. So this is essentially to drift through life or to live aimlessly, to do things that cause us not to pay attention. Now, this can be created in our modern age by scrolling through our phone, by scrolling through aimlessly through social media and living a life that is not in our direct experience, but rather in the social media world, living based on perceptions that we have, not the direct experience of life that we have. So these are the five precepts of Buddhism. Now, our Zen Stoic rendition puts them in a different way, because if you notice, all of these precepts are actually negations. They're telling you what not to do. Now, the problem with that of what not to do is that the unconscious mind doesn't actually process negations. The unconscious mind simply hears what we are saying, simply hears the subject matter of what we are saying, and then begins to create that reality within us. Now, the Zen Stoic rendition are not called the five precepts, but instead they are called the five vows of inspired action. Now, the reason why we call this inspired action is because to be inspired, according to Dr. Wayne Dyer, is to be in spirit, to be aligned with the spirit of our nature. So when we are aligned in the spirit of our nature, we are championing the sovereignty of our own individual free will as well as the free will of others. When we are in spirit, we are aligned with our human nature. We are aligned with the fact that we are social animals and that we are made for each other and that 
we work better together than individually and alone. Now, one thing to remember about the five precepts is that these are not rules or commandments that were laid down by some cosmic lawgiver. These are simply vows or ways of being that contribute to a person's individual experience of their liberation. So these are not rules that a person has to follow, but instead these are vows or solemn promises to ourselves to conduct ourselves in a specific manner that contributes towards our liberation rather than conflicts with it. So here are the five vows of inspired action. The first one is to lead with love. Now, this is really important. Instead of saying to abstain or do not kill or do not engage in malice, we say lead with love. This is the active way of saying the same thing. It's not about just not engaging in malice, but leading with love. Now, I say lead with love not just because it seems like the right thing to say or because it just feels good, but rather we lead with love because as human beings, like we said, we are made for each other. We are social animals that work better together than we do apart. And we survive and thrive by cooperating, by working together. So when we lead with love, what we're doing is we're acknowledging the sovereignty, the free will, and the dignity within each of ourselves individually. So leading with love is essentially leading with kindness, respect, empathy, and compassion. Now, when you think about this, this is essentially what it looks like. So here's an example from my own life. I once had an experience where when I was working for one of the largest coaching companies in the world, there was this one client that got transferred over to me. Now, there are 120 coaches through the company at the time, and sometimes clients would get with coaches and they wouldn't resonate or they would end up getting transferred. This particular client, she had gotten transferred four times. I was the fourth coach that she had in a period of three months. The, the sales rep who was assigning her to her coaches warned me ahead of time saying that this person was a bit of a pain. So when I started talking to her, I remember we started, we started having this conversation and in the conversation, when I was just getting to know her and getting to know what it is that she was looking for from the coaching experience, she ended up saying something to me that I thought was really interesting. She said, you probably think I'm really annoying and really difficult to work with because I've gone through so many coaches in such a short period of time. And I remember in that moment, something clicked within me and it was that Nobody had actually spoken to this woman with a sense of empathy, compassion, or kindness. They were just kind of doing business as usual. At least that's what I assumed. So I responded with something different, something that was genuine to me and what I felt in that moment. And I said, I don't think you're difficult to work with and I don't think you're a pain. I think you are somebody who really values this experience and is taking this investment of your coaching very seriously. And you want to make sure that you have the right coach that is going to empower you and help you towards the results that you want most. And I also think that you're courageous enough to speak up when something doesn't feel right to you. And in that moment, everything changed in our dynamic. Suddenly, we had this beautiful rapport and connection that we were able to work together in a really impactful and effective way. Now, in this situation, the way that everyone else was treating her was technically this a very mild form of that malice. So they weren't trying to harm her, harm her or insult her in any way, but they were looking at her as kind of a nuisance. Whereas when she came to me, what I decided was that I was going to lead with love. Now, when we lead with love and admiration, we end up awakening that within other people because we see something in them that they are not willing to see in themselves. Leading with love does not just help us feel better about the actions and expressions that we take, but also 
it actually awakens that within other people. The second vow of inspired action is to be the source of what you seek to experience. So instead of saying, do not take or do not steal or do not take what's not given, we say, be the source of what you seek to experience. The reason being is because if somebody feels compelled to steal something, if they feel like they have to take something that has not been given to them, then they're doing so because they perceive themselves as lacking something they need, which I know sounds pretty obvious, but it's really important to understand this. If we are taking, then what we are saying is the thing that I want or the thing that I need is outside of me. And this is one of the greatest illusions that we fall victim to as human beings is that we think things are outside of us. The thing, the very thing that creates emotional attachment is thinking that we are somehow without that which we need or desire. So instead, you want to be the source of what you seek to experience. Now, I learned this lesson in a pretty profound and interesting way. I had just been getting into the coaching world and starting to understand this idea of abundance and of giving and going the extra mile for people and this idea of compassion. So I remember this was years ago. This was almost a decade ago at this point, but I was in Toronto, Canada, where I used to live, and I was dropping my ex-girlfriend off at the bus station. Now, she lived about an hour and a half away, so she would come to see me in Toronto, and then I would drop her off at the bus station at the end of the weekend. So we had gone to the bus station, and I remember that at the time, I was struggling to become a personal trainer. Like, that was my business, and the business was really difficult. I wasn't doing that well. I was very inconsistent in my ability to make money, and I remember I barely had enough money that week to cover my groceries. And as, and as I was dropping her off, this homeless guy approached us. Now, he was very different from the typical homeless person that had approached me in the city of Toronto. He had this big smile on his face. He was super friendly and warm. He was very, very kind. And he asked me if I could help him. And I felt so inspired by the way that this guy approached me that I wanted to help him. So I decided to give him 20 bucks. So I gave him 20 bucks. I felt really good about it. I felt like, hey, you know, like this guy, he came in. He actually changed my state in a positive way. He made me smile. He made me feel, you know, seen and understood. We had a little conversation. And so I I felt inspired to give to him. So I felt good about that. I went home. And then the following week, I came back to drop her off again. And when I went to drop her off, as I was leaving, as I was walking to my car, I remember I saw the same guy that I'd seen the week before. His name was Paul. And I saw Paul sitting against the wall, really down on his luck, looking really defeated, very, very different from the way I saw him the first time. And I walked up to him and I said, Paul, what's going on? And he started venting to me, started telling me how difficult things were. And I said, you know what, let's, let's take a walk. And so as we were walking, he was talking about the difficulties of money in his life and how he had lost it all and how he was going through such a hard time now where he had to essentially, you know, be on the street and beg. And as we were walking, I started telling him about all the things that I was learning, all about, you know, the, the idea of abundance, the idea of giving, the idea of really focusing on what you want and being intentional. And at the end of our walk, I remember I had 15 bucks in my wallet. I had three fives. And at the end of our walk, I reached into my wallet and I gave him the three fives. I said, Paul, two of these are for you to do with what you need, right? Go get food, do whatever you need to do. One of them, I'd like you to give to somebody who needs it more than you. Because if you're always giving, then you must always have. And I remember Paul looked at me and 
he shook my hand for what felt like an eternity and was just so grateful, so thankful in that moment. And in that moment, that is when I felt myself become wealthy, when I felt myself become abundant. The reason being is because I myself was having trouble with money at the time. He was having way more trouble with money than I was. And so I wanted more money in my life. So I decided to be the source of what I was seeking in life. And so I not only gave him that money, but I also requested of him that he would go and do it for someone else. He would essentially pay it forward. And I remember walking away from that feeling so, and I, I remember walking away from that moment feeling so inspired, so grateful for the experience. And not even a couple days later, I had a client who signed up paid in full for a $1,200 personal training contract. And I was blown away because this is what it is to be the source of what you seek to experience. If you are the source of it for yourself and others, then you will always have it. You will never be lacking of it. So that is what this precept is. The third vow of inspired action is to direct your passion meaningfully. So if you remember, the precept is not to exploit the passions or pleasures of life. What we want to remember about this is that we are going to have passionate states, some positive, some negative. Some passionate states are going to be enthusiasm, excitement, and joy, whereas other passionate states might be anger or fear. So what we want to remember about directing our passion meaningfully is to remember that emotions are a signal to try to tell us something. They are a signal that we are experiencing to try to create meaning out of what is happening in our lives. So when we are feeling an emotion, if we exploit that emotion, if we try to be expedient and bridge the gap between unpleasant and pleasant, then what we're going to end up doing is cheating ourselves out of the emotional energy that can actually be directed towards something meaningful. In life, when we experience painful experiences or we, we feel unpleasant experiences, if we try to just avoid those feelings or distract ourselves from those feelings or jump to the next good feeling, then we cheat ourselves out of one of the most important gifts, which is the channeling of unpleasant emotions into creativity. The very purpose behind all that I do began with the most unpleasant and devastating experience of my life, which was the death of my mother. When I took the emotions from that experience and I chose to stop being a victim and to direct the passion that I felt and all the emotions that I felt from that experience of growing up without a mom into something constructive, into something meaningful, that is when I found my calling. That is when I found this mission, this path in life to become a coach and to help liberate and transform the lives of others. So when you direct your passion meaningfully, it is taking and channeling those painful emotions, taking and channeling the unpleasant emotions of life and putting them into a direction that is actually going to create something good for you now and in the future. Typically, when we don't do this, what we end up doing is we cheat ourselves out because we take that emotional energy and we use it towards just feeling good right now in the moment, just feeling okay or at baseline, where instead we can take the emotions that we have and we can experience them and channel them through in the direction of something meaningful. So what this also means is that if you're going to engage in the passions and pleasures of life, this is to simply enjoy them and be very intentional, very sincere about engaging in these things, not doing it through expediency, not engaging the passions and pleasures of life like food, sex, joy, entertainment as a means of escaping life, as a means of escaping our own emotions. The fourth vow of inspired action is to speak sincerely and expansively. The words we speak construct the house we live in. Our words don't merely describe our reality, 
they determine it. The words that we speak have power. They cast spells, as some would say. And so what's really important here is that if we're going to use our words, we want to be very intentional. We want to use our words and speak through this inspired action. And we want to speak from a place of inspiration. Are we using our words sincerely? Are we communicating exactly what it is that we feel? Are we communicating what is true to us in our hearts? And are we using our words to serve ourselves and others? Our words are very powerful, especially the words that we use to describe our own identity. I remember this really clicked for me once when I was working my way to becoming a coach. I remember one of the jobs that I had at the time is I was working as a server at a restaurant. And I remember in my mind, I was having this internal dialogue of saying to myself, well, I'm just a server trying to become a coach. And then I remember like stopping in my tracks and going, hold on a second. I stopped and said, that is not how I'm going to describe myself. I am a coach who is using this job of serving to support myself to the point where I'm able to do the coaching full time. And I remember that day, everything changed for me. I started looking at everything totally differently. And I started looking at myself with a more expansive view because I used my words sincerely and expansively towards myself, towards my own identity and the expansion of my experience of life. We want to remember that the words that we use are going to shape our reality. And it is crucial to be mindful of how we speak. If we speak expansively, then what we are going to do is create more choice, more opportunity, more wholeness in our lives. If we speak constrictively, then we are going to shut ourselves off. And when we speak with sincerity, we develop trust in ourselves. We develop acceptance for ourselves. We develop love for ourselves. When we speak insincerely, essentially what we are telling ourselves is that what I truly think and feel does not matter. And I'm going to say and do what I think others want me to say and do. This is not living with integral action. So instead, we speak sincerely and we speak expansively in order to create the reality that we seek. And the last vow of inspired action is to be here now, not to do things that cause inattention, but is to be here now in our direct experience of life, to truly be here in the present moment. So often we are not present in our direct experience. We are worried about something that's happening on the news or we're worried about something that's happening on social media or we're fantasizing about some reality that we don't like and we're not here in the present moment. If we're going to act from an inspired place, we must vow to be here now. This is a realization that recently hit me where I thought to myself, well, if I have free will, then what that means is that I get to choose how I feel moment to moment. And so if that's the case, then I'm going to choose to be at peace with myself. I'm going to choose to feel loved and understood by myself. I'm going to choose to speak kindly and sincerely and expansively to myself. And I'm going to choose to enjoy and have fun in all that I do. And this is what it means to be here now is to exercise your free will. Most people do not exercise their free will and they simply go off of automatic patterns and thoughts that they think every single day, stories about themselves that are not true, getting hooked by outside circumstances that do not serve them, or getting hooked by outside events or people's opinions that do not serve them. Instead, if you're going to choose to be here now, it's to exercise your free will. If you want to be at peace, be at peace now. So the five vows of inspired action, lead with love. Be the source of what you seek to experience, direct your passion meaningfully, communicate sincerely and expansively, and choose to be here now. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It is my mission to spread this work with as many people as possible so that they can live a liberated life with unshakable inner peace, and I need your help to do so. Please go ahead and subscribe, like the podcast, 
comment, share the podcast with a friend, somebody that you care about so that they can be exposed to this content as well.